0: It's a good reminder as we come to study the book of Proverbs, that's where we'll be, so if you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, we're going to flip around a little bit, but it's a good reminder as we come to look at the theme of parents and children this morning. What does God's Word say in the book of Proverbs about parents and how they are to... Perform their role as parents towards their children and children and how they're to perform their role as children towards their parents. What does it have to say? What a good reminder to have some of our kids reminding us of the, about the importance of being on mission as we commission them. So, you know, this is, uh, as we're studying the book of Proverbs, in case you're just joining us for the first time, and if you are, we're really glad to have you. Uh, I'll let you kind of know how we're approaching the book. Rather than just kind of go chapter by chapter through Proverbs, what we've been doing is identifying a number of the major themes that, that kind of we get instruction about in the book of Proverbs. So uh, we saw in week one, what does it look like to fear the Lord? Because we heard the fear of the Lord at the beginning of what, church? Anybody Remember? Wisdom, yeah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And really the aim of the book of Proverbs is to impart wisdom to us. It wants to help us understand what it looks like to live day in, day out in sort of the dirt of life in a wise way, how to take right knowledge and live it out correctly. So Proverbs is really, really concerned Not as much with what you and I think, although that's important. Is trying to impart certain types of thinking to us. But it's doing that so that we would then act a certain way, live a certain way, behave a certain way. So Proverbs is so healthy for us. Because sometimes do you get the feeling that we come in here to church and we can kind of take in some head knowledge and walk out and not really think about how to live that head knowledge out the rest of the week? Do you guys feel that sometimes? I feel that sometimes as the guy who's responsible week after week to teach stuff. Right, you kind of come out and you go, whoa, I can't just stand up here and talk about some stuff every week. I have to ask, how am I applying this in my own life? How am I living this out? And Proverbs is so good, uh, because it really gets into the nitty gritty of just trying to say to us, friends, go live this way, live in a wise way. And so we've looked at what does it look like uh, in our friendships to be wise, to be the kind of friends that actually help others grow wise. How do we live towards our enemies? If you were with us last week, we talked about enemies and what does it look like to obey this command to love our enemies, and how does Proverbs sort of paint the picture of that for us? We come this week to think about parents and kids, parents and children. You know, this is this is a subject matter where I would argue there's a lot of confusion in our culture. Would you agree with that? There's a decent amount of confusion about what it looks like for a parent to be a good parent. And what are the responsibilities of a kid to their parents? And what does it look like to be a a kid? I mean, to be a child in a way that is pleasing to God. These aren't easy things. And uh, I want to remind us that when we turn to the book of Proverbs, what we don't get is... um, when we see the general wisdom of Proverbs, you know, when you read a proverb, you're reading a general statement of wisdom that's meant to say to us, because of who God is and the world he's created looks the way it looks, this is then generally what is wise and true in this sort of area. It doesn't mean to address every specific circumstance in every situation. So that we're intended to get a foundational bit of wisdom, a good foundation of wisdom upon which you can build out a mansion of wisdom, if you will, in all the circumstances you encounter. If you'll receive the basic truths, the the simple, steadfast, straightforward wisdom of Proverbs, it will help lay a foundation for you that will then work its way out in any circumstance you encounter. But what Proverbs doesn't intend to do is try to address every situation you will encounter. Does that make sense? And so I want you to understand that as we approach parents and children, because you all are coming at this from a variety of locations. Some of you are in challenging relationships with parents and children, whether you're the child or you're the parent, right? Some of you are in, uh, feel like you're in a really great space. And so as you come to it today, what I want you to recognize is I think what God wants to give you today, as I was praying for you this week, is very basic wisdom about parenting and childhood that will guard you and shape you and bring healing in places where healing is needed if you'll just let it sink in and sort of saturate your thinking. Now when I think about the confusion that we have in our day and age around parenting and children, I was thinking about a friend passed on to me something he got from his sister this week and she has a friend who serves as a nurse at, at a hospital in Boston and the, the hospital has started to teach that in order to change a kid's diaper, you need to get their consent first. Now I want you to imagine how challenging that is, first off, because I've had, I've had kids, we just got out of diapers, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's the best thing ever. It's awesome. But when we were in the diapers, let me just tell you that getting consent wasn't happening sometimes. But this is all, right, it's based in something good, right? This teaching kind of coming out of Australia, the school of thought, it's based on some good stuff, right? The idea that children need to recognize they have some agency, that they have sort of valid individualism, right? That's good. It's good to teach kids that. It's also good to protect ourselves and protect our kids, and those are good things, but that gets carried into this confusion, this malaise that is really born out of, and I'm not going to go deep into this, but it's born out of our hyper-individualism and our relativism that we sort of are awash in as a culture, and because those things come up against basic wisdom, it twists it and it turns it and it reshapes it so that something as basic as can I change my kid's diaper without them saying, yes, I'll allow you to do that, becomes confusing for us. It becomes hard to understand what do we do and how do we live? And I just thought that was, as I heard that this week, I thought, what a perfect representation of the confusion we have about the relationship between parents and their kids. Kind of almost just summarizes it for us in a way. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. Proverbs is going to be stubbornly, stubbornly straightforward about the relationship between parents and kids. And it's just gonna say, this is the truth about parents and kids, and it wants you to just kinda get saturated in that and then be able to move forward in it and f- build out that mansion of wisdom as we talked about. So as it relates to parents and children and what wisdom looks like, here's what I'll tell you the book of Proverbs. If I was gonna summarize the teaching of the entire book on this subject, it would be this, I'd summarize it this way. Parents are supposed to help their children become wise. And everyone said no duh, right? Parents are supposed to help their children become wise. It's probably the summary statement of what Proverbs has to say to parents about how you parent. Help your kids become wise. The other side of that is children are supposed to bring their parents joy by pursuing wisdom. Parents are supposed to bring, I'm sorry, children are supposed to bring their parents joy by pursuing Wisdom. And we'll look at three things for parents and three things for kids. So if you grab your sermon notes on the way in, you'll see that in there. And I just wanna hit a handful of things. Now, here's the thing you're gonna notice as we go through the book of Proverbs. There's a strong degree of what I would call mutuality between the way Proverbs talks about parents and kids. What that means is that it is impossible for parents not to affect kids and for kids not to affect parents. There is no such thing as a neutral impact of a parent upon a kid and a kid upon a parent. You will impact one another for good or for harm. That will transpire. And that's sort of what Proverbs wants you at a very base level to understand and get. You're going to influence in a positive way or you're gonna influence in a negative way. That will happen. You can't just sort of abdicate your role as parent or abdicate your role as kid because you have a role and it's not a passive one, kids. Your role is not a passive one. By the way, should I point out, if your parents are living, you are a, you're a kid. Right? I'm a 42-year-old kid of somebody, and so there's a wisdom here for me in Proverbs about how to live as a kid, even as a grown man now, what does that look like? So let's look at those things together, uh, and here's the one thing that has to be said before we dive right in, is that the thing you're going to notice that it's going to say about parents is Proverbs is going to make an assumption, when we heard the fear of the Lord is the beginning of. Wisdom, right? That's a summary. That's a kind of a summary of what Proverbs is teaching us. And so, it's going to assume that parents, that the parents that are being talked about here and given instruction, have chosen to fear the Lord and therefore have become wise. And in choosing to fear the Lord and becoming wise, now, children, this is what you should expect from your parents. But if we don't begin there. If you don't begin with fearing the Lord and rightly ordering yourself before him, all the other wisdom that's downstream from that, you're gonna miss. You're gonna miss that. And so there's that instruction. Now, I recognize, too, that some of us may have grown up in households, some of you may have grown up in households, that you feel like, okay, if you just said, Trent, that um, I'm supposed to, parents are supposed to instruct their kids in becoming wise, and, and I didn't have a parent who feared the Lord, and so I don't feel like I got that, just hang on, because there's something for you as well here. And I want you to feel as if, okay, well, now I'm just, I'm out because I didn't have the parent who imparted wisdom, godly wisdom to me. There's something here for you to see that Proverbs is going to point you to. All right, so let's start with parents, shall we? That seems fair. Yes, start with parents. Yeah. Yep, all right, good. One person agreed with me, so we're going to do it. <laughs> so what parents need to see. Number one, you will help your children become wise, number one, by having a plan to impart wisdom to them. You will help your children become wise by having a plan to impart wisdom to them. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse six. It says this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now again, here's where we find that Proverbs is speaking general truths, general wisdom, not saying in every circumstance this is what will happen. Because some of you would say, uh, I've seen a child who was trained in the way they should go, and they did depart from it when they got older. But what Proverbs is trying to tell us is that generally, this is true. Generally, it is true that if you will train your child up in the way they should go, they will not depart from it when they grow old. What I want you to get more than anything is the intentionality of that word train. Train your child up. In other words, what Proverbs is offering you here is if you want your kid to walk with the Lord when they have grown old, then impart training to them to know the Lord and to fear the Lord at a young age and it will pay dividends down the road. And you need to not lose sight of that because when they're young and you're wondering if they're gonna choose it when they grow old, remember that the basic trajectory of a life that's trained well in the fear and instruction and admonition of the Lord is to not depart from it when they grow old, yes? So we start with that. Be intentional about training your children in walking with the Lord and imparting wisdom, which means have a plan. Now, here's how that works, right? Here's how that works. Do you ever have those surreal moments where you find yourself sounding just like your mom or dad? And you're like, where did that come from? And it's almost an out-of-body experience. It freaks you out because it's almost like you're outside yourself watching yourself. I have had so many moments where it's, my hands are moving the way my father's hands would move. And I'm like, what is happening right now? I don't, it's like something took control of my body and is motioning like my dad would motion, and is saying the words my dad would say. And that's just kind of the natural re, you know, natural uh, result of living with someone for a long period of time and being shaped and influenced by them. That just happens. Would you all agree that that has happened to you at some point? Yeah. Now, how much more when a godly parent is intentional about imparting something to their child? not just by happenstance of being around and kind of by osmosis catching your dad's hand motions or his, his colloquialisms, but when a parent is intentional about saying, I will impart biblical godly wisdom to my child and I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna have a plan for that. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. When I say have a plan, I don't mean have a curriculum with a scope and sequence. All my educators know what I'm talking about there where you say, this is the one right way to, do, to impart wisdom to a child. Because I find that a lot of parents get caught up in, like, I've got to find the one right way to train up my child. And if I don't find it, it's, it's shipwreck, we're lost. I want you to understand there's not one right way to do this. There's not one right way to train your child. I'm encouraging you to be intentional and have a plan, but that plan might look different from family to family. I have a good friend who I always go back to his bit of wisdom on this when he says this. He says, look, when it comes to my kids, his kids are now grown and, and walking with the Lord, so I listen to him a lot when it comes to you know, raising kids. And he always says, when we were being raised, we had all these families around us saying, this is the way you've gotta teach your kids the Bible, or this is the way you've gotta do this thing. And he said, we just wanted to look at the fruit And if the fruit was good, we didn't change the watering schedule. And if the fruit was bad, then we changed the watering schedule. And Trent, there were times we needed to change the watering schedule. And then there were times we said, no, we just keep right on going, no matter what anybody else says. And and that just struck me as wisdom. Doesn't it strike you as wisdom? The fruit's good. Look at the fruit coming from your kids' lives. Be intentional. Have a plan And then look at the fruit coming from their lives to determine whether or not that schedule is that watering schedule needs to be shifted and adjusted so that you get different fruit, you get better fruit. So here's what I'll encourage you: if you have if you've not been intentional or had a plan, if you're a parent and you've not been intentional or had a plan in terms of imparting wisdom. To your kids. By the way, even if your kids are grown and out of your home and they have their own kids and you're a grandparent, there's still a way, there's still a role you have in imparting wisdom into your children and grandchildren's life. Do you know that? It looks different than how it looked when you were raising your kids and they were three and four years old. But you're not done imparting wisdom into your family as matriarch or patriarch. Stay in it. Stay in it. Now here's the thing. Um, if you haven't had a plan, let me encourage you just to start here start by introducing into your family's habits daily Bible reading, and that may look like at bedtime, that may look like in the morning or on the breakfast table, could look any variety of ways, but just bring the word of God into your family habits. Bring the reading of the word of God into your family habits and bring praying, praying together into your family habits. Just start with those two things and don't make it complicated or complex. Begin there. The word of God and prayer, introduce those, introduce those into your regular family habits. might be that you say we're going to go for family walks, and when we go for family walks, we're going to pray together for our neighbors as we go by. It might look like saying, you know what, we're going to, I mean, we try and introduce creativity into how we do it because we find that it keeps our attention a lot better. So we try and switch up what Bible reading looks like and what portions of the Bible we're reading and how we're approaching that. but we are committed to having Bible reading as part of our family habit, so that we are imparting, hopefully, godly wisdom over a long period of time in the lives of our kids. So that's the first bit of instruction for parents, right? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Have a plan. Sit down, come up with a good plan that works for your family. The second bit of wisdom for parents here is if you wanna help your kids become wise, you're gonna do so by fighting for godly character yourself. That's the second thing. By fighting for godly character yourself. Is it any surprise that we can have all the wisdom in the world to speak to our kids and our example will always outweigh our words. Every time. Every time our example will outweigh our words. In fact, our example will counter the impact of our words if it doesn't follow what we have said. And so we find this in uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse seven. Listen to what it says. Proverbs chapter 20, verse seven says, the righteous who walks in his integrity... So, the one pursuing godly character, right? Blessed are his children after him. Blessed are his children after him. In other words, what Proverbs is saying, the blessing your kids really need is the blessing of your godly character more than just your words. Look at what it says next in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, and we'll put that one up as well. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. And you know, you could stop there and that'd be a great proverb. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. In other words, if you want to have confidence that you're headed in the right direction, that you're moving in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, then fear him and you will find strong confidence. But look at what it then goes on to say. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a what? A refuge. Your children will have a refuge when you have godly character. In other words, what they're saying is kids need a safe place to figure out how life works and who they are and to grow in the Lord. And you create that safe place by pursuing and fighting for godly character. I mean, just think about how this works. Whenever we deal with um, material poverty in our world, anyone who has any expertise in material poverty will tell you that if you're dealing with someone who doesn't know where their next meal is coming from, it's very hard for them to think about what they should be doing a year from now or how the decisions they're gonna make today are gonna impact their life two years from now. Why? Because they don't know if they're gonna eat tonight. And they've got to figure out how to eat tonight. And if they're gonna have a safe place to sleep. But once those needs are met, and that protection, that safety is there, what can they begin to think about? They can begin to think about plans for the future. And what might they do to to navigate life over the course of a longer period of time? And by doing that, they can usually uh, help make better decisions. And it's not unlike that with our kids. A kid who is not in the safety of a home where they know that discipline is not gonna be imparted in some erratic, harsh fashion. A kid who's not worried about mom or dad flying off the handle because they spilled something a kid who's not worried about where where you know how their parents are going to interact with them a kid who knows mom and dad love me and that's an undying never ending love a kid who has those things finds in that godly character of their parent a refuge and in that safety in that protection what can they do they can grow wise they can grow wise And so friends, hear me on this. Your instruction, your wise instruction as a parent is important, but it is more important that you demonstrate godliness in your actions. If you will do that, you will protect your children and they will grow wise. How deeply important. And look, I'm under no, uh, Mr. one of my pet peeves when we hire her at the church is when we get a resume from someone who says, I will only go to these parts of the country or these parts of the world. Uh, I I will not go to these places. And believe it or not, we get resumes like that sometimes for hiring. And I just think to myself, nope. It goes goes in the trash immediately. Why? Because I don't want anyone on my team who's not willing to follow the Lord wherever the Lord calls. And you don't get to dictate or determine that. Now, I understand thinking I might be more effective over here or I might be more effective over there. As far as I'm concerned, it's one of my hugest pet peeves and I see it all the time and it, it bugs me. But here's what I also recognize, right? That conviction that we, look, wherever the Lord says go, that's where we go. Why is that buried in my heart? Why is that something that when, by the grace of God, when the Lord is called, we've been able to say, we'll go? Because I was raised by godly parents who created a safe place for me a protected place, and I could take risks because of how safe it was for me. I'm under no illusion that I just am so filled with faith that I just was able to make those choices. The reason I was able to make those choices is because I had parents who demonstrated godly character. I can still remember, it's burned in my brain. The first time I actually like moved away from home, and I mean like really moved, cross-country away from home, I remember the day before my dad sitting down, looking him in the eye and saying, you always have a place here with us. You will always have a home here with us. If it doesn't work out, you can come back. It's okay. I mean, essentially what he's saying is we've got your back. We are for you. We're your family. We'll never stop loving you. We will always be with you. That's what my dad was really saying to me in so many words. And that kind of safety, what does it enable you to do? You just launch out like like a rocket ship off a platform to say, I can go take risks for the sake of the Lord, and I can grow in wisdom because of the protection that I've been raised in. Godly character, parents, protect your children in a way you can't imagine. And when you protect them, they will grow wise because they have the safety they need. Third thing for parents, and then we'll move to kiddos. And this is, you know, it it says a lot about um, godly character, but more even than it talks about that, Proverbs talks about one thing for parents more than anything else, and it is so out of step with our culture. The thing, the number one thing Proverbs says to parents about children is you will help them grow wise by disciplining them. You will help them grow wise by disciplining them. Now, please... Hear me when I say, we can't give our kids wisdom if we won't discipline them. That's kind of the baseline teaching here. We can't give our kids wisdom if we won't discipline them. And Proverbs says that more than anything. But please don't hear, do not hear in Proverbs, when you see the use of this phrase, the rod, as, as the metaphor that's being used for discipline, please do not hear Proverbs talking about discipline that is overly harsh. Please do not hear Proverbs saying that you should discipline your kid for innocent, honest mistakes. Please do not hear Proverbs allowing you and and, um, supporting you in disciplining out of anger. It is doing none of those things. What it is doing is it's inviting you to regularly discipline your kids for willful sin and disobedience, not for mistakes, for willful sin and disobedience to discipline them in a measured and healthy way. That's what Proverbs is encouraging you to do and to not let go of that discipline as some of us are prone to do sometimes. There are two errors in in discipline are gonna be to be overly harsh or to abdicate discipline altogether. And Proverbs is trying to help you navigate a middle road there to be wise, to not forsake discipline. So here's what it says. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 24 says this. says, whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Do you, see what, do you see what it's saying there? It's equating failing to discipline with hating your child. And the reason it's doing so is because it recognizes that a failure to discipline, to let your kid run the home rather than you running the home, to let your kid do whatever they want to do rather than instructing, them, is failure to tell your kid, essentially, that's hot, don't touch it, it will burn you. Your kid needs you to discipline them to protect them from bad choices and they will grow in wisdom as you do so. So that discipline for willful sin and disobedience is an act of love towards your kids and to fail to do that is, a, is so detrimental to them that the scriptures can actually call that hating them. You with me? You follow that Okay, let's look at the next proverb then because in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, we find this. It says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now, what I love about this proverb is that it reminds us the Bible is under no illusions that kids are automatically wise when they're born. That they just come out of the womb, good. It says no, they're impacted by sin. Just like the rest of us. Born with a sin nature that leads them into all kinds of foolishness. And how do we help that not happen? We bring discipline into their lives. And as we bring discipline into their lives, it roots foolishness out of them. It's an important understanding to have as parents that our kids will not naturally become wise on their own. They don't possess it in here and we just need to figure out how to get some stuff out of the way. It's not in there. We need to help put it in there, and what this proverb is telling us is discipline is part of how you put it in there. When you discipline them for their sin and their disobedience and their willfulness, it will help remove the folly from them. Now, let me speak to this for a minute because I talk with parents, and I'll say I experience this at times. I talk with parents who recognize that as they're finding parenting to be hard sometimes, they feel guilty for feeling like parenting is hard. They feel like I should love this and yet I'm finding it exhausting. Now, can I just, can I just speak to you? The way you're experiencing there and that exhaustion is a biblical thing. Somebody say amen to that. Because here's what, here's what we hear. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. So they're born with foolishness ingrained, not wisdom ingrained, and we have to figure out how to get the wisdom in there and get the foolishness out. And that takes work. And the next thing we're gonna hear in a moment is this. A wise son or a wise daughter brings joy to their parent, and a foolish son or a foolish daughter brings sorrow and grief. There's actually a proverb that says that a foolish son brings ruin upon his family. If folly is bound up in the heart of a child from the very beginning, and foolishness brings sorrow to a parent, and wisdom brings joy, then as we're experiencing foolishness in our kids and trying to root it out, are we gonna also experience the sorrow that that foolishness brings with it? Yes. And if that's true then, if that's true, then we don't have to feel like we're somehow like uh, really mixed up when we experience that sorrow. It's just the natural part of what God says about parenting. You gotta get that foolishness out, and that's not easy, and it's gonna bring you sorrow when you see it. It's gonna be hard when you see it. And so when you don't like that moment, just recognize that what you're experiencing is a biblical reality of encountering foolishness in your child as a parent, right? Maybe that sounds really harsh or something, but that's just a reality, right? All right, so let's move on then to the next thing. Oh, let me say this as well. Um, I said that our, our predisposition, our, our way of erring usually is to either just not discipline at all, or it's to be overly harsh. And I wanna encourage you, um, like when you're a kid, when you're disciplining, and you know, it's very likely that your, your child will not respond emotionally to that, like, thank you for disciplining me, mother or father. right? And as they perhaps have a pretty emotional response, your job is to stay calm. Don't fight fire with fire, don't escalate. I am working on this one. All right, stay calm, demonstrate godliness for them rather than meet their emotional fit with an emotional fit of your own, right? Because that's gonna move you into being harsh. And the other thing is don't let your child take your home hostage with their emotional fit because they will do it if they can. Don't let them take your house hostage with their emotional fit, which causes you to say, you know what, I'm just not gonna deal with it. I just, I can't, it's, it's too much, and my solution to that is just to disregard and just to step away. Stay calm, don't respond in anger or harshness, but step in and lean in. Don't separate, okay? It's important. Now let's move then to kids, and all the parents said yes. <laughs> awesome, not us anymore. So what do kids need to see? If those are three things parents need to see, then what are three things that kids need to see? Kids, it will help you become wise. Okay, remember, that parents, your job, help your kids become wise. Kids, your job, bring joy to your parents by trying to become wise, okay? It will help you become wise, kids, if number one, if you see that God intends for your parents to be the primary vehicle for wisdom in your life. God intends for your parents to be the primary vehicle for wisdom in your life. He's given to you, them to you. And again, now we're talking about godly parents, right? When God has given you godly parents, they're the primary vehicle for wisdom in your life. And he intends for you to receive from them more wisdom than you receive from anywhere else. There's gonna come a moment for every kid, every one of you, there's gonna come a moment where you're gonna be faced to choose whether you're gonna listen to your friends or whether you're gonna listen to your parents. And I love that Proverbs has something to say about that because in Proverbs chapter one, verses eight through 10, that's exactly what's happening. It's a, it's a father talking to his son who is being faced with this exact decision. So here it is, chapter one, verse eight. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And he's gonna go on verse 11, verse 12, and he's gonna explain all the ways that following this, these, this group of friends into, into evil and into wickedness and into foolishness, all the ways that's gonna have a detrimental impact. And it all begins in verses eight and nine when he says, listen to the instruction of your father and your mother. They are a graceful garland for your head. What that means is they're like you won a race Right, that's the graceful garland is the, is the wreath that goes on the head of the winner of a race, of a competition. And he's saying, it will be like you've won a race if you will listen to us. It will be so good for you if you do that. And so kids, the number one thing to understand is that God has given you your parents to instruct you in wisdom and they are the primary source of that in your life. Now I know that when you get tired of listening to your parents Go on and on trying to instruct you that it's hard to remember that, but if you'll remember it, it will help you so much to be patient. It will help you so much to be patient. Can I give you something to not say, kids? When your parents are instructing you, it will go so much better for you if you will not say, I already know that. Try saying, thank you. That's a stretch, I'm sure. But I'm just saying, okay? Try to remember, kids, try to remember that it is God's design. It's not your parents saying, I believe that I am the only one that can make you wise. It is God's job that they have, he has given them to help instruct you in wisdom. And they have that job more than anybody else, okay? They have that job more than anybody else. The second thing that kids need to see from the book of Proverbs here is that you will grow wise if you see your parents' instruction as protection to you. Now, we already said parents, you protect them by godly character. Remember that, right? You protect them through your godly character, but you also instruct them, and when you instruct them, you're trying to protect them from the harm that will come from foolish decisions. And kids, if you can remember, if you can remember that when your parents instruct you, it's not just them trying to get their way. Godly parents don't do that. And when you're trying to figure out, like, who am I? And I don't want to just be a clone of my parents. Can I just tell you, no good parent wants their kid to be a clone of them because they know themselves too well. I'm not looking for Trent 2.0 in any of my kids. <laughs> I'm hoping for something a lot better than that. And so when I'm imparting instruction, I'm not just trying to say, because I, want, I believe that they need to do what I tell them to do. I'm trying to protect them from foolishness that perhaps I've learned through being foolish myself. I'm trying to guide them away from that. I'm trying to protect them. And kids, if you can remember that your parents are doing a job God gave them, and that is that they're trying to protect you, it will help you be a lot more patient with their instruction, a lot more patient. Listen to what Proverbs chapter six, verses 20 through 23 says says, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. In other words, keep them close by. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. In other words, when you lie down is when you're the most vulnerable, right? Are you ever more vulnerable than when you're sleeping? No. When you're at your most vulnerable your parents' teaching will instruct you. It will watch over you, right? When you're walking, it will lead you. And then look at what it says next. And when you awake, they will talk with you. It's not saying your parents will talk with you. It's saying the instruction they have imparted at a past time will be in your ear when you wake up. Some of you still hear your parents' voice, don't you? You can just hear it, right? And that's what the Proverbs is getting at. That's a biblical reality is that parents wise, intentional, long-standing instruction stays in a kid's ear. And it talks to you. And it talks to you when you wake up. And instead of going, shh, kids, listen to that. Listen to your parents' instruction that stays there. And remember that they are trying to protect you. It goes on to say, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. I when I think about this parents instruction protecting their kids I always think back to when I was 16 and I got my driver's license and I was going out and you know my dad his big thing I mean before I could never get out the door without him saying one thing always when the light turns green look both directions twice when the light turns green look why is he telling me that is that wise or is that foolish it's wise, right? That's that's wisdom. Because he's thinking, my son is 16. He probably has a heavy foot, you know, and he might be prone to want to get somewhere fast, and he's going to shoot out there. And I've seen too many people run red lights, and I don't want my son to be hit by them. And so he would say it. Well, the first 500 times he said it, I was probably somewhat patient with it. The next 500 times, I got really perturbed. I was like, ah, oh, the eye rolls. And you know what's so ironic? Is the eye rolls just told my dad he needed to keep telling me. <laughs> They applauded that one. Yeah, had I just been like, yes, sir, he probably would have at some point recognized, like, I guess I don't need to say it. I guess he's got it, right? But the eye rolls told him, like, he doesn't, he doesn't see the wisdom of this. I need to keep telling him, right? If I had in that moment at 16 years old just been better at understanding my dad's job is to protect me and he's telling me something wise so that I would be protected, receive it. Let your father's voice talk to you as you awake. Let it watch over you as you sleep. Let it lead you as you walk. Last thing kids need to see is that you will grow wise if you try to bring your parents joy rather than bringing them pain. You will grow wise if you make it your job. It's their job to protect you and it is part of your job, children, to help your parents experience joy Now, I know that that doesn't jive with the worldly philosophy right now where it says, hey, you know, parents need to seek after their kids' autonomy and, you know, it's not right for a parent to look to get joy from their, you know, from their kid. And let me just tell you, there is such a thing as living vicariously through your kid, which is not good, all right? Right? Like, you get, do you do this? Because I did, I mean, keep in mind that what we're about to see here, in fact, let me just read it and then let me come back to what I wanted to say there, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father. A wise son makes a glad father. But a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Is Proverbs just putting that there because it wants parents to know that they should just expect to be sorrowful if their kid is a fool? No, it's putting it in there so that when a kid reads it, they go, oh. I'm going, to make my, I'm going to make my parents sorrowful if I make foolish choices. And part of my motivation to make wise choices is that I should want to bring joy to my parents. That's why Proverbs puts this in there. It wants children for you to find a motivation in making your parents full of joy. Because when your parents are full of joy, the harmony you experience with them and the protection that they place over you, it becomes so fruitful and so good and so life-giving. You will experience joy when your parents experience joy because you are wise. You follow me? And look, don't live vicariously through your kids, okay, and seek your joy through that. Please keep in mind that this didn't say a, a parent gets joy when their kid becomes a doctor. Or a lawyer or some profession you want them to be? It says a parent gets joy when their kid is wise. A parent gets joy when their kid is wise. They experience sorrow when their kid makes foolish choices. And what Proverbs is saying to you kids is this basic truth. Please seek out making your parents happy. Remember I said at the beginning there's mutuality between parents and kids. There's no such thing as a parent who has a neutral impact on a kid. And we probably get that. We probably understand that. But do you also understand it works in reverse? There is no such thing as a kid who does not have an impact on their parent for for sorrow or for joy. And kids, that's a lot of power. (laughs) That's a lot of authority that God has enabled you to have that you impact your parents for joy or for sorrow. And I hope you choose joy. I hope you choose joy. And not just for your own sake, because it's godly to choose to bring others joy. It's godly to choose to bring others joy. So grow in wisdom. Listen to your the protective voice of your parents. Now, I said also at the beginning that, you know, if you feel like you've grown up in a home and, and godly wisdom was not, you didn't have a parent who feared the Lord. And because you didn't, you just you feel at a loss for growing in wisdom. Some of you might be very young right now and experiencing that. Some of you might have lived many, many years and feel like, you know, you're trying to figure out how to how to get wisdom. Here's the thing I want you to see. Again, all of Scripture ultimately points us to Jesus. And what the wisdom of Proverbs does is it teaches us the wisdom of the perfect man, Jesus Christ. Everything that Proverbs portrays as wisdom is is teaching you, like, I know you don't have this wisdom, but guess who does? The king of kings who came and lived and he represents perfect wisdom to you. Now, listen to what Jesus has done. For those of you who feel like I missed out on a parent who feared the Lord and therefore I didn't get the wisdom that I really needed, do you know what you have in Jesus Christ? You have been reconciled to a perfect heavenly father who now through his spirit in you will impart all the wisdom you need. You do not have to feel as if you do not have what you need if you didn't have godly parents because you have a father who loves you with an undying love, who is steadfast, whose word is true and right and timely, and who will give you all that you need in wisdom. In fact, he's promised to do so. Do you know that the scripture say, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. The wisdom you need, you have in your heavenly father, whom you have been reconciled to by the blood of his son. And children, don't you know that what you have in Jesus is the example of the perfect son? The one who demonstrated perfect wisdom in sonship for us. So that as we gaze upon him, we don't just gaze upon savior and Messiah and Lord, we gaze upon perfect son of perfect father who demonstrates for us what, what godly submission looks like, godly wisdom looks like, what it looks like to grow from child to man in perfect wisdom. We have him. And Proverbs points us to him and it begs you. When it calls you to be wise, it says, don't think you can pull up your bootstraps and just become wise. Look to the one who can give you a wisdom you do not have. Now follow all these things, do them, because they are wisdom, but ultimately lean in and lean on the only one who can give this to you. Oh, and how he delights to give it to you. How he delights. Let's pray together, and then we'll respond to the truth of God's word by singing his praises. So Lord, we love you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We sang before we heard the word of God in sermon, We sang that we are able to come boldly to your throne. And we can do that because you've been made our father. We've been reconciled to you as your sons and daughters through your son. And we thank you for it. I pray specifically, Lord, that you would cause your Holy Spirit to, as we hear this instruction about parents and children, it may may dredge up wounds within us because of a hurtful relationship we have one direction or another with a child, with a parent. And I pray that you would mend that through your perfect wisdom. I pray that you'd impart to us truth and righteousness and that we'd walk with you. Would you receive our praises now? You're our Father and we love you. and We want to raise you on high. Even the best of fathers does not compare to you. The best of fathers reflects you well. Help us. We delight in We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.